What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We've got Jays Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s, John Rants, Joe Johnson's, Ja Raps. Of course, we've got Jays. we got him for days. Josh, how you doing? Well, two things. Number one, I was pleased to see Joe Johnson was a guest of honor at the Atlanta United game this weekend. He was. He That's was. a W. Made me very proud. It's an absolute W. Absolutely. Second, though, I feel like we both got to this point where we're officially excited about this season. Yes, I'm getting there, for <laughs> we, sure. We were going back and forth over the weekend about just random stuff yeah. and ACC departures we're, and the well, fact you're going to go do investigations on all 360 teams. And Well, you know, at over the weekend, I texted Josh, I was like, you know, and a team that I'll leave unnamed because they might be discussed later in this podcast. Um I was like, this team lost their last, their top six scores, and he just without even, without without any hesitation, it's like it's only four of the top six, and I had to double check and realized he was right, um, and I I was like, wait wait a second, why do you know about this team already? And he was like, I'm already doing ACC prep for our, for our conference previews, um, so yeah, I think we're we're a little bit excited, but yes. Um, I'm very much ready to for the college basketball season to start and, by extension, to actually start, talk about the teams that are going to be on the floor yes. this year. And we talk about that a lot. The idea of the, the – we like – you know the all the other conversations are fun, but the conversations that are the most enticing are the ones about the product and the teams that are actually playing basketball this year. We're kind of getting there this week. Yeah. We're getting it's, it's, you know, intentionally the players who aren't going to be there right. anymore – but it's about the impact it has on this year's team. Correct. So slowly Correct. but surely, we're inching Correct. toward exactly right having real teams to talk about. Which I mean, at this point, we do rosters are more or less finalized. But then also to the point where we actually have games to discuss. Completely. Um, last week we talked about transfers, sort of the most important, impactful transfers of of twenty twenty two, and we're kind of doing the inverse of that today. Uh, we're doing departures, but not in the sense of transfers. In the sense of guys that left the sport for one reason or another. Um, typically that reason is to go play in the NBA or go attempt to play in the NBA. Um, but left the sport and didn't go to another team. To, to kind of talk about the guys that aren't in the sport this year that could have been in the sport this year. And kind of try to paint a picture of where we're not going to see guys that maybe... It never crossed our mind that we wouldn't see that guy, at least at the beginning of last season, um, and how that kind of ties into the product that those teams are going to put on the floor this year. And Would I just, you agree with that? Yeah, and I, we also probably could have clarified this a little bit. I included all non-transfer departures in this. Okay. So it's some guys who could have been there, some guys who graduated. Oh. Yeah. So all of my guys are guys who left who didn't have to leave. Which is fine. That's why that's why we've created which might be why there are two completely different lists here. Oh well. That's okay. Now we have two different lists. We have adjacent lists, but not the same list. Okay. That's fantastic though, because last week we talked about probably eleven players when if we were exactly the same we could have talked about nine. And we talked about maybe eleven or twelve. Maybe it was a little more than that. But I still think the I still think we can if we have two different lists I think that's fantastic um, and, and we can put them in conversation. But so departures whether you were forced to leave by your NCAA eligibility running out um, or you decided not to leave or you decided to leave for some other reason those were all possibilities that could have fallen on this list. So. That's what we're going to do today. We have attempted to order them from five to one. I guess one being the biggest of the losers, yeah. right? Okay. Um, we did. We were on the same page there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we. Uh, that's what we're going to do today. Uh, departures 2022. Um, we're going to miss you. We're going to miss you. We're going to hop right into it. Um, Josh, who's number five on your list? Number five on my list is Michigan. A combination of, and basically all of these teams I have, it's a combination of guys who left for the NBA and guys who graduated slash chose to pursue professional careers and mm-hmm. or not use a final year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. I just threw it all together because it's a mess with all the COVID stuff. Sure. So the players Michigan lost that fall into this category, your two guys that went to the draft, Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, 
And then Devontae Jones and Eli Brooks are also part of this for me. Mm-hmm. All four of those guys started at least 26 games. They all averaged at least nine points per game. Now, the reason they're not higher on this list for me is Diabate and Houston. And Diabate was pretty good, especially when he sort of got going and got into the starting lineup. But in terms of the impact these departures have, it's not like Eli Brooks and Devontae Jones were the best players on this team. Mm. And Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate never really established themselves, Houston in particular, as big-time impactful college players. Now, of course, they're a big deal because they were these five-star recruits. They're clearly very talented. But the actual college basketball production Michigan lost is not as great as the other teams on this list for me. Mm. So that's why I have them fifth. And I'm sure they're probably higher on yours because of those two guys who went to the draft. Mm -hmm. But that's sort of where my, my thought process was, is this is basically the core of your team outside of Hunter Dickinson. Mm -hmm. But also it's entirely possible. Caleb Houston becomes a first team, all big 10 guy in year two. But it's not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of these other teams, we're talking about first-team all-conference guys who you know exactly what they are at the college level. So I put those teams higher. I think, right, based on the nature of my list being more specific to what's going on in what's going on in departures that weren't forced specifically, um, Michigan. Michigan's on my list. Michigan is higher on my list. But where Michigan falls for me is we're all of a sudden in a place where the only player that's proven he's productive at the Big Ten level is Hunter Dickinson, right? We have some guys that come in, you know, you got the Princeton guard, Jalen Llewellyn, who averaged 16 points a game last year for Princeton, um, averaging 16 in the Ivy League. I'm I'm willing to, that's not an unsubstantial stat for me, so in theory, you have a guy who's coming in and has produced at the Division One level. Of course, we talked extensively about what, what that means about four transfers, whether or not that, that actually matters. But then after that, I there's nobody on that roster that's proven they can produce at a Big Ten level. And if nothing else, Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston have proven that they can, can produce and contribute at a Big Ten level, um, which is why Michigan comes in higher on my list because – there's a, going to be a lot of depending on, and it was a, like it was a decent recruiting class, but it certainly wasn't the kind mm-hmm. of recruiting class they had two years ago. Yeah. So it's not like we're looking, and, and part of how I looked at this is, okay, did teams replenish what they lost oh, in a real way? And I completely disregarded that. So and <laughs> so for me, right? Did Michigan replenish kind of this lost? production from Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, because this team was already not very good last year, relatively speaking. Yes, they made a run to the Sweet 16, ultimately. And by Michigan standards, it was still a fine year. Like, it certainly wasn't lucrative and what we come to expect of their Big Ten success the last few years. But it's it's not like this team was starting from, really, from like third at Kempom, like it had the last couple of years. And I also, I just think that Hunter Dickinson is the type of player that excels when there are other guys on the floor that are putting some sort of pressure on the defense and allowing him to operate in, you know, one-on-ones in the post. And uh, I'm not, I'm not sure anybody's scared of what Michigan has yet outside of Hunter Dickinson. And at least Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate could have been more threatening options from the jump than the guys they have on the roster now. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a big loss. There's no two ways about it, especially when you're talking about NBA draft departures. Mm-hmm. I'm just there's an incredible list of collective groups leaving teams. Yes, that. Oh, and I'm I'm actually pumped to hear who's on your list because <laughs> it's going to be two completely different lists. Yeah, um, and that because I didn't approach the preparation with that kind of idea in mind and and i didn't look at the what the replacement was at all right so so um let's uh let's continue shall we so five on my list is actually a team that did lose a lot replenished a lot but didn't replenish a player that i really really like as a college basketball player so duke's five on my list because of trevor keels 
So Trevor Keels was the guy who, I mean, we waited until like 11 seconds before the before the deadline back in, was it June? Is it June where the deadline is? We did a podcast on it when it actually happened. Yeah, but, early June maybe. Um, it can't be any later than like late June because that's when the draft. <laughs> when the draft I think is. it was June first um, or second it, or something. Um, and he waited right up till the till the end. And I'm I'm a big I'm a big proponent of the the idea of who'd you lose that you didn't think you were gonna lose. And maybe heading into the season, it's okay. Trevor Kills is probably gone before the season even starts. But I think we got to a point in the season, at least at times, where I thought, yeah, maybe, Trevor Kills might be coming back for year two. And instead, he doesn't. He leaves. And the only guy with any sort of productive ACC Duke experience on the roster now is Jeremy Roach. That's it. Everybody else now. It's an incredibly talented group of freshmen. But we've seen Duke bring in countless really, really impressive groups of freshmen. And... At some point, you get to a point where it's like, oh, wow, that team's really young. Even if, you know, I'm, I'm listening, I'm reading a book right now, and they, you know, talking about Army going to Duke at the very beginning of the Zion Williamson season, and the coach just kind of figuring out what Duke's issues were before they even, before anybody kind of figured it out. This was right after they blew out Kentucky in the Champions Classic, and it was, R.J. Barrett wants to prove he's better than Zion Williamson. They don't like pressure, and I can't remember the other one. They can't guard man-to-man, something yep. like that. Um, and, like, that's exactly what happened at the end of the tournament, and you kind of felt like at some point they might run into a team that knows how to attack them. And especially in the conversation of title contention this year, the other title contenders this year are so experienced. When it comes to Gonzaga, when it comes North to Carolina. North Carolina, uh, and then the other team I'll throw in there is um, I'm blanking. I had a, I had a third team. Oh, it's right here in front of me, Kentucky. Um, <laughs> with especially you know specifically Oscar Shibway, Keon Brooks is back. Um, the other teams that are contending for national championships, like like normal, um, are very very experienced. And at some point, are we going to run into? And John Shire is the brand new head coach. Right, brand new with an asterisk next to it, but still, the point is still the same. How are we going to run into a point where they really, really miss Trevor Keels and the conversation of what it means for the national title conversation? So, Duke's five on my list. Yeah, I'll I'll say most of my thoughts on that subject for ACC preview, sure, because we're going to discuss that in depth. But absolutely, when you that was one of the things that struck me too when you look at this roster is. I'm not sure what you're going to get from the transfers. They're not exactly the most high-profile guys. Right. And then, right, you got Jeremy Roach and the freshman. And let's see what happens. Exactly, exactly. And as we as is proven over and over and over again, that's not something that that's not something that has proven all that lucrative when depending on freshmen to that to that extent. Okay, number four on your list, Purdue. The Boilermakers. Jay Nivey, Trayvon Williams, Sasha Sestefanovic. Mm-hmm. These are the only three players on the team that average more than two assists per game. Mm-hmm. And the other part of this for me is they all do different things that need to be replaced. Okay. Right. You have interior playmaker and Trayvon Williams, something Zach Eady does not do. Mm-hmm. They are very different players. Yep. Jay Nivey is your game-breaker, uber-athlete, breaks-defenses-down guy. Not sure where that's coming from. Right. And Sasha Stefanovic is your knockdown three-point shooter. Not sure where that's coming from. And so, of course, these are also three of the better players in the Big Ten last season, particularly Williams and Ivy. Mm-hmm. And Stefanovic could have been if he wasn't so far down the pecking order and Purdue right. wasn't catering to two all-Big Ten caliber centers. Already, yeah. <laughs> you know, he just kind of got stuck in there as a floor spacer. When right. I think he could have been more than that. But... That was the reality of the situation. So they're they're four for me just because, sure, there's some talent that's still there. I mean, this recruiting class that didn't play last year, basically, was a really, really good one. Mm. There are players to fill these holes to an extent. But when I look at sort of drop-down and roster talent and big question marks, Purdue's one of the teams that jumped out to me right away. Kind of what you were talking about in Michigan of, 
who is going to fill these roles. Mm -hmm. I see the same issue with Purdue because you also lost Eric Hunter Jr., who doesn't qualify in this conversation. Right. But where is the where is the playmaking? Where is anything offensively outside of getting the ball to Zach Eady and letting him do something? Right. You know, I we haven't talked about this yet, but they're one of my they're high on my list of the teams I'm most intrigued by how they're going to work because they have the Mr. Indiana basketball in 2022, 21, whichever year it counts as. I think 2022. Um, and the runner up. They have Fletcher Lawyer, who yep. is Foster Lawyer's younger brother. Um, and then the Mr. Indiana basketball is Braden Smith. Yep. Both of them are in that freshman recruiting class. On top of on top of what there was. Trey Kaufman, Ren, and Caleb first last year. Right, exactly. Right. Um, so in theory, in theory are two things. Um, there are two guys that are that like to have the ball in their hands coming next year, and both of them are good shooters. I mean, we're talking about the two, I think by voting, the two best players in the state of Indiana last year, which is not an unimportant thing, regardless of how you feel about the competition um, that either of them played at. Um, but, you know, so one, it's just going to be so different. And two, right, there's a chance that this that this group of four, these last two recruiting classes, then turn into the next Purdue class, you know, in two years where it's like, man, this team is super deep, super talented, has all the shooters, and is going to find a way to win 14 or 15 Big Ten games. You can just kind of lock it in right now. But this year, to your point, and, and any year – it's the same with the, the, the year right after Carson Edwards. And and that one was to an even bigger extent because the usage rate of Carson Edwards is was just in another class of usage rate to Jay Nye because Carson Edwards what like it was him and Ryan Klein, right? And that was that was about it of the team who not to belittle anybody else on that team, but he was they so They did not so have important. the same kind of depth. Right, exactly. You didn't exactly have two all Big Ten level centers yeah. that you could switch on. You could have an all Big Ten level center on the floor all 40 minutes, and they didn't have to play together. Um, but I'm, I'm super intrigued by that. And honestly, they, they didn't come especially all that close to making, to making my list, but losing Jaden Ivey in and of itself is is super important and of course something you have to try and figure out even even if with even save Sasha Stefanovic and Travion Williams heading out the door as well. So number four on my list is Marquette. Because Marquette lost Justin, Justin Lewis. <laughs> and Marquette lost and, and right, Daryl Morcell. So we can throw Daryl Morcell in there as well because between those two guys and Justin Lewis in particular, 16.8 points, 8 rebounds, almost 2 assists as a freshman at Marquette. And then you add what Daryl Morsell's production was, and you lose over 30 points, over 10 rebounds of production. And the most re- prolific returning score now is like 7 points. I'm looking at my notes right now. I didn't finish the sentence. It was really early this morning when I did that. Um, but last year, Lewis was 7th in the Big East in offensive rating. Um was already one of the best players in the conference, was going to be one of the best players in the conference this year, might have been the Big East Priestess Player of the Year. So there's some other guys that could have something to say about that across the conference, but he certainly would have been in the conversation. And even with how good he was last year, Marquette still wasn't a top 60 Ken Palm mm-hmm. offense. And we saw, especially two years ago, when Marquette had this really kind of interesting start to the season when they beat Ohio State, was it Ohio State? No, it was Wisconsin. Wisconsin. It yep. was Wisconsin that they beat. Um, oh, because that was his coming out party. Right. Um, <laughs> and it was, it, there was some, I can only describe it as it was really exciting. And then as the year went on, it was like, man, Marquette just, it looks so hard to score sometimes. And it wasn't quite that way last year because of Justin Lewis. But we're still talking about a sub Ken Palm, a sub 60 Ken Palm offense. Oh, yeah, that was no, they were great. Just inside. <laughs> That was just inside the top 100 two years ago. Um, and there's nothing coming to that roster that suggests there's any sort of offensive creativity that is impactful at the Big East level. Um, now, do I still think Shock and Smart's team will be like top three, the most unfun teams to play? It might even be more for certain this year because they're just not going to be a super talented team. 
But so I'm sure Soccer Smart will figure it out, and at the very least, it'll be man, we got to play Creighton. Th- I mean, sorry, Marquette tonight. That's gonna be like pulling teeth. The pull a Chris Holtman quote from you know playing Virginia. Going to the dentist. Right, yeah. it's like going to the dentist. Um, but that's that that guy might be first on the list of. Shaka Smart got excited about that guy when he was seeing him in preseason last year, early in the season. Realized he had quite a bit there, but then it became clear he, I guess, had too much, and then he's gone after one year. And then we can add well, Darren Hall there too. It was two. Was, was it two? I'm almost positive it was two, because he hit the game winner against Wisconsin. Oh, you're right. You're right. I apologize, but last year was the coming out part. Yes, he he showed some glimpses. And then, absolutely, I, he that is been, an impressively bad oversight, Molinex. Wow. Okay, <laughs> I apologize, but all of the things I said are still yeah, true. absolutely. I mean, he would have been a lock to be a first team All Big East guy, barring something bizarre. They really could have used him. It's not like they have, you know, the next guy coming through the pipeline the way Villanova does, for example. Right. That I almost ended up putting Marquette into consideration on my list because of those two guys in particular, and mm. specifically Justin Lewis. Yeah, in terms of decisions that went the wrong way with regard to entering the NBA draft, he is, if he's not number one, he's definitely top three in terms of how they're going to impact this college basketball season. Uh, it was two years. I apologize. Um, Justin, I swear to you I was not intentionally discrediting your first year of college <laughs> basketball i just kind of discredit the 2020 year in general that's fair. I, I hope you understand that um but either way justin lewis is still at the beginning of last season i'm sure shaka smart knew what he had in yep. justin lewis and but didn't think he wasn't gonna have justin lewis on his team the next year at least in the context of that guy's gonna go to the nba draft so uh marquette's four on my list who's third on yours ohio state Okay, this right. was a team that entered my uh, that was in my final roster cuts as well. Can I read you the list of players who are leaving this team? Please do. EJ Waddell, Malachi Branham, Jamari Wheeler, Kyle Young, Cedric Russell, and you can't forget Joey Brunk. You cannot forget Joey Brunk. That is <laughs> four of your five leading scorers and all of your playmaking. Yep. And so the sheer volume that they have to replace put them ahead of Purdue for Yep. As we talked about with Isaac Likely transferring in, your guards are just gone. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, the other one that was on the roster who doesn't apply to this conversation is also no longer in your team, Amici Johnson. Mm-hmm. So Chris Holtman is starting from scratch in terms of how he's building his offense because it was built around E.J. Liddell. And Malachi Brandon was the guy who, by the end of the season, was that consistent second option. It, it quickly also included, it got to the point where it included Malachi Brandon right. as well. It yeah. went to, oh, right, that yeah, he was a potential one-and-done ICY, therefore he is a one-and-done. Right. It went exactly <laughs> as you would expect. He showed up and played yeah. well, so yep. he went to the NBA. And so that, I mean, that's really all it is for me. It's just marveling at the amount of pieces that fit into this particular category that Ohio State is now having to replace. And again, I didn't pay any attention to who is coming in. I focused exclusively on what you are losing. Otherwise, this would have been a different conversation because, right, you lose all these guys, that gives you the ability to bring players in. And I really like what they did in the transfer portal. Right. But you lost EJ Waddell and your playmaking, therefore you make the list. Yes. No, that is... You know, when you're reading about Ohio State coming into 2022-23 and the... The impactful returners, with all due respect to the following two names, are Zed Key and Justice Suing. You probably are going to end up on this list. And either way, and they almost were, they almost, they were one of the teams I was considering for five. Um, because I was considering, right, the Isaac Likelicles of the world, um, their recruiting class is pretty good. Um, so that's why they ultimately didn't end up making the list. But either way, I mean, EJ Liddell, there's probably four more impactful players to their team specifically last year than EJ Liddell. And he was so good defensively, and that right. gets overlooked really quickly. Yeah. And then with Malachi Branham, that's also a guy on your list of, man, I really thought I was going to have that guy for at least two years. At least, I mean, I mean, that was, I remember the conversation middle of this season being, you know, I 
we all kind of realized that Malachi Branham, if the rest of the season went really well, might leave for the NBA. And that wasn't really... I didn't remember being that that being part of the conversation, you know, when talking about their recruiting class. And you've got one-and-done caliber player Malachi Branham. I don't remember saying that. I feel like it was a, this could turn into a one-and-done from a recruiting profile standpoint. He sure. fit that description. But, right, you're not looking at him the way you're looking at Paolo Bancaro and saying this is a for sure one-and-done. It's not like he was lighting the world on fire at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So, it, to me, this was very much one of those sort of 50-50... There's justification for going. Mm-hmm. He's going to make it in the NBA in terms of actually getting the opportunity and the, the guaranteed money and things like that. Mm-hmm. But right, he's not going to be a lottery pick or anything like that. So there's certainly justification for also wanting to... Because I think if he comes back, he's probably a lottery pick. Yeah, probably. You know? So it was one of those, you can't really go wrong, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. But right, Chris Holtman didn't go into last season planning for a future without Malachi Branham the way Duke did Pablo Bancaro. Right, exactly. So third on my list is Michigan. That's where Michigan comes in. We've talked about them at length at this point, so I don't feel the need to reiterate everything. But Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, then you add the guys that they lost in just graduation, and you're left with a very good college basketball player is the only guy you have complete faith in um but when that guy is a seven footer who needs a good point guard to you know be effective in the pick and roll that needs space and guys that require attention around him at least a little bit so that we're just we're not just doubling hunter dickinson every time he touches the ball those things are important for optimizing michigan as a team but they're third so we already hashed that out plenty so i will not um I will not rehash that out completely. So, top two. Um, second on my list, it couldn't be more specific to my list in particular. Um, <laughs> like, it wouldn't be anywhere in the vicinity if... Like, I'm sure you didn't even think about this team for a single second. I'm almost positive. I feel my number two is the exact same. Okay. So, who's second on your list? Providence. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Not for I, a single second. Can I read you this list and the numbers they put up? I was tempted to make them number one. Okay. Nate Watson, Al Durham, Noah Herkler, A.J. Reeves, Justin Benaya. Okay. That is 53 points, 25 rebounds, and 9 assists a game. Man. Now, right, part of this was the whole COVID extra year. Then you throw the transfer portal in there. So it's just this weird conglomeration where they all either chose not to go to a fifth season or ran out of their eligibility at the same time. All of them had at least 25 starts last season. You can argue that they potentially were probably not the five most important players, but five of the six. Mm-hmm. You throw Jared Bynum in there? Sure. I'll allow it. But in particular, right, Nate Watson is just an excellent college basketball player who's a all-Big East first-team caliber center and mm-hmm. has been for the past couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Don't really need to go over his credentials. Then you've got the role pieces. But the other part of this for me is Justin Minaya. Mm-hmm. He was the best defender in the Big East last season. This was arguably the best team in the Big East last season. And There's yes, certainly a lot of people in you know Providence that will go to bat for that. Yeah, you can, and for a long time the record backs that right, up. Too. You can have your your disagreements about what it actually all means and who the best team was last sure. season. The point being, and they have retooled. Again, I love what they have done in the transfer portal. I'm excited to see what this team can do this year. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't matter to me as part of this conversation. Right. This was almost your entire core for a team that is one of the best in program history. Mm-hmm. And they're all gone. Yeah. And it wasn't a transfer portal demise. It was, right, you got some transfers in there, three Nate Watson, it feels like he'd just been there forever because he had. Mm. A.J. Reeves, same thing. So they are two on my list. I'm sure they're not on yours. But when I was looking at teams that actually have to replace pieces they lost that are no longer part of college basketball, the only reason the team above them is above them is because of kind of the significance for the program. I think Providence is going to be fine. I'm not so sure about this other team. 
I think we have no. I think after all of our after all of our differences here, that we're gonna have the same team um, first on first on our our list together. But um, so in in the um, in the spirit of having a team that I'm sure didn't cross your mind for a single second, second on my list is Colorado State. Ah, uh-huh. because Colorado State, relative to how important this player yeah. was to their success last year. And especially relative to, there's no way in the world you're replacing that guy. David Roddy. David Roddy is number one on that list. Um, 19.2 points, 7.5 rebounds, three assists. It is the biggest, it is the single biggest hit that a college basketball team took this year from a, he didn't have to leave and we're in no way, shape, or form going to replace him. Um, Now, the reason why I don't think this team would have ever even kind of sniffed your list is because the senior leadership of the team returning headlined by Isaiah Stevens, who was an incredibly productive guard last year. They're going to be fine. And a team that, you know, they were six seed last year. I expect them to be in the conversation for an at-large bid this year again. And they were above a six seed for a while and then kind of tailed off right, at the end. They right. were really, really good the so, first few months So of the going season. to be a really good basketball team without the guy who averaged 20 yeah. points and eight rebounds. Best player in the conference, conference right. player of the year. Mm-hmm. And there's just no way to replace that, right? When you look, Ken Palm can tell you, as David Roddy got better, this team got better. David Roddy's freshman year, they were 99th at Ken Palm. Then they were 66th at Ken Palm in the mid-60s. I, I, I wrote the other two down. Why didn't I write the other? <laughs> but last year they finished at 46. And to your point, it wasn't like that the end of that season went as perfectly as it could have from a Kempom perspective. I mean, we can look at teams every year that jump from, you know, barely making the tournament to finishing in the top 25 of Kempom because they made a, made a run. And the same can be the same. It can be said for, for the inverse, right? It wasn't a super hot end of the season the way that we started really hot with Colorado State, you know, up until they got blown out at San Diego State. But then they, they win that game. They also ultimately lose to San Diego State in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. But when it comes to guys that had to, didn't have to leave that left, no team's ceiling, in my opinion, was changed as drastically as Colorado State's was with David Roddy. And right, you're never gonna. There's never going to be another David Roddy. At least not, at least not soon. Unless you're just the luckiest college basketball program ever. That you're Colorado State. And you get back-to-back David Roddy-type players in the same, you know, eight-year span. That typically doesn't happen for a team like Colorado State. Um, so that's why they're second on my list. One, two for me. Actually, probably one, two, three. Eh, I'll just say one, two. Him and Justin Lewis. Yeah. In terms of most damaging sort of 50-50 departures. Yeah. Third still- on your list? Who was the third guy? The other guy I was talking about with C.J. Waddell. Okay. Because he, he did have another year left, right? Yes. Yeah. There was eligibility yeah. left there. Also, he was, I mean, he was just as close to the NBA as he was going to get. Right, he did exactly. all the things he needed to. Right. So And came back and said, you know what, I want to be a guy that can prove he can shoot the three-pointer. Right. And, and that's, then did it. And, right, and still managed to be a really high-level defender yeah. and do all of the other things well that he did the last year. So, yeah, it was time for him to go to the NBA yeah. because unless he just – averages seven more points and is the national player of the year like that's kind of or Ohio State makes a deep run in the NCAA tournament like those were the two things that could have drastically improved his stock and right the likelihood of that happening uh, not super and he always has limitations in terms of his NBA profile right I just he is who he is so but those three guys in particular to me really stand out but I would put Liddell in a category behind Roddy and Justin Lewis, absolutely. When you're looking at one guy and what they mean to their team and what that departure means looking at this season, Marquette and Colorado State are your big losers, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. And also, to sort of what we've been talking about, it's not like everybody was going, oh, David Roddy, NBA prospect or at the beginning of this season. Even right. if you knew what David Roddy could be and, oh, he's you know, getting significantly better every single year, he could have a really, really good season. That doesn't. NBA wasn't part of that discussion. Right. That is the epitome of man. If he gets even better this year, imagine you know. And then he, we've got his senior year, right. man, with and, these other guys like I stated, Isaiah Stevens. Yeah. and he's also just one of those guys that he's just really good at basketball. Yeah. So you give him a chance because he's going to do good things for your basketball team. Right. And see if he sticks. But I'm all for 
the concept of David Roddy getting an opportunity in the NBA. We talked about where he got drafted and all that, mm. but yeah, it's a it's a huge blow not to the program, right? They're going to be fine. Right. They've got a really good thing going on, but like you were saying, in terms of what they could be this season, that's easily a top twenty five team, maybe a top fifteen team mm. if he comes back. As I right, and that's yeah, I said top mainstay in the top fifteen all season. Probably, uh, unless they have a couple bad losses right. in there, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's just, it's impossible to do this job. Like the guys who don't re- completely replenish their roster with an elite recruiting class every year, like anybody who keeps a job for like a while, and the Colorado State coach hasn't been there for very long at this point, but anybody who, but he's off to a pretty darn good start when it comes to being there for a long time if he wants to, but. Anybody who manages, like the guys that you look up and they've been at the same mid-major or even the same, like if you've been at the same high major for 15 years and you don't replenish recruiting classes like clockwork, like, you know, the Dukes and Kentuckys of the world, like that is, that might be the most impressive thing that a a college basketball coach can do because as I I said to you this weekend, it is an impossible job if you're not recruiting like that. And especially with the transfer portal wide open now. Right. Because that was the other thing as well. Does David Roddy want to go play at a high major? Yeah. You I know. like to think he would have stayed at Colorado State if he came back. I think he probably uh, would have I like too. to I like to think. But whether that would be whether that's true yeah, or not. Naturally, know. that's just part of the conversation now, right? right. It's not only do you have to convince them that it's better for and of, the money helps with this. Right. But the idea of you're better off here than going to the NBA and don't go play for insert perennial contender here who is happy to take you now that you've proven yourself at the college level and aren't, you know, your three-star recruit or whatever it might have been. Right. It's it's a very difficult, and this is my, we don't need to get into a hold of it, but this is my biggest frustration with the way transfers work in this current situation is mm-hmm. the people who are the biggest losers, who pay the biggest price, are the coaches who identify and develop the players who aren't highly recruited, who then take that, and rightfully so, and use that to then get themselves somewhere else and their coach is then left without this player that you have developed and you took when, we'll just say Kansas or North Carolina or whoever, didn't want them, Mm -hmm. you know. And so now all of a sudden they do because look at how good they became and you're just sort of left. So yes, very, very difficult job to figure out how to retool on the fly all the time. (laughs) Number one on your list? Wake Forest. That's that's correct, answer. This is the perfect marriage of the two lists. Yeah. Let's start with the HCC Player of the Year. Okay. That seems like seems like a pretty good place to start. Real quick before you dive into it, it's the coolest thing ever that the ACC Player of the Year the last two years have come from Georgia Tech and Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. So shouts to Georgia Tech and Wake Forest. And shouts to the seasons those two teams had when they had ACC Player of the Year caliber players on their team. But... That's just the coolest. You know, prior to that, it was Trey Jones, Zion Williamson, and Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson was the year before. There were three straight Duke guys. Oh, okay. I don't remember who the third Duke guy was. I'm gonna look it up. But the point being that typically this is a pretty. But then, like before that, we're talking like your Malcolm Brogdon's, your Justin Jackson's. You're like it's like Duke, UNC, or UVA for mm-hmm. like. Eight of ten years or something, but the last two years it's been completely opposite. Anyways, continue. So you start with Alondis Williams, and then you got Jake Laravia, mm-hmm. and Dallas Walton, uh-huh. and Isaiah Mucius, and Kadeem Sai. All of those players except Kadeem Sai had at least 33 starts. Yep. And this is Wake Forest's best team in over a decade. And like you said when we were texting this weekend, they still didn't even make the NCAA tournament. Right. And the other part Marvin of... Marvin Bagley. Trey Young, uh, Zion Williamson. Yeah, okay. so, so it was Alondis Williams and Moses Wright. Shouts to shouts to Georgia Tech and uh, Wake Forest. Then it was Trey Jones, Zion Williamson, Marvin Bagley, Justin Jackson, Malcolm Brogdon, Jaleel Okafor, TJ Warren at NC State, um, Shane Larkin at Miami. Yes. Okay, okay. Look at, look, at Shane, look at Miami sweeping the 2013 ACC. Regular season in conference and... Yep. And then, so Tyler Zeller, UNC, Nolan Smith, Duke, Grievous Vasquez. Oh, yes. Um, but then Maryland. we're talking, 
then it's Ty Lawson, Tyler Hansborough, UNC, yep. Jared Dudley, JJ Redick, JJ Redick. Um, so I love how Jared Dudley is just squished yeah. in between those two or those three guys. I know, right? Um, but all of this, all of this to say that it's cool that those two guys won the bag. And shouts to Boston. Shouts to Jared Dudley. Shouts to Jared Dudley at Boston College. Nineteen eight and three that year with almost two steals. Anyways, okay. Um, please continue with the basketball team that lost a lot of things for this year and yeah. not Boston College from a decade and a half ago. <laughs> The other, the other part of this for me is nobody had a one-two punch they lost like this, mm. which is the other sort of reason I gave them the tiebreaker over Providence. Yeah. You're never going to replace it. You have to completely change. It's not like you stumbled into a guy in Alondis Williams that was a transfer that nobody was all that excited about, and he wanted to play at the ACC level. And then Jake LaRavia, who went from like talk about a guy that nobody was talking about being an NBA draft pick all the way to like the Grizzlies in very Grizzlies fashion traded up to draft Jake mm-hmm. LaRavia. Yep. Um which the for for what it's worth, by the way, uh Jake I mean the Grizzlies doing that they've completely earned that right after trading up to get Desmond Bain and tra- go Grizzlies. Um um but when it comes to right, and this is this was the team that it was like, man, this job is impossible if you just don't re, re, if you don't replenish every year because you go from twenty twenty five and eleven is what Wake Forest went last year. I was, I knew they were good. I knew they were better, and I was I was stunned that they won twenty five games last year and. And now it's just like, where do you where do you go from here? I mean, like, Steve Force is like, man, like, I turned this train wreck that Danny Manning had turned this program into. No offense to Danny, nothing specific that Danny Manning did. It just, his tenure at Wake Forest was not exactly lucrative. And Steve Forbes pretty quickly turned it into a team that I was stunned won so many games. And now it's, right, we're looking at a guy who in Monsanto who Monsanto Monsanto yes who only played 17 games last year um after he was supposed to be out for the entire season then came back at the basically halfway point of the season um but I mean we're talking about just not and Davion Williamson, and Davion Williamson. um but other than that, I mean we're talking about like we're talking about 35 points worth of production 35 10 11 and 9 is what we're trying to replace that's tough it is i'll save more thoughts on their roster this season for acc season preview but they very very quickly went on to my list of and they didn't make the ncaa tournament nope now they were on the right side of the bubble basically all season it's it's a very interesting conversation of what this team would have been in a quote unquote regular ACC that wasn't so bad. Right, right, and that's the that was the unfortunate reality is that it was a combination of right this combination of this was one of the years that you had the roster to make the tournament, but you really got, I mean, four and it depending on when you played UNC <laughs> last year, <laughs> right, two, and if you only played Duke once, one. one? Like yeah, to, I mean, act, to, to, to get a win that is actually to get a win that was actually important when you got it, because I mean we can talk about how good UNC was, but like UNC lost a game they should not have to Virginia Tech, Tech I think it was Tech, yeah. like on February nineteenth. Like that's how long we went before UNC actually turned into kind of the unstoppable train they turned into. Yes, UNC lost in, in the in the ACC tournament, but like it wasn't all that long before the end of the regular season that UNC, we were still talking about them as one of the teams that didn't have a quad one win. It was right. at least into January, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was them and it was Virginia Tech. It was they're, they're, Those were two of the teams on the list of these teams still don't have a quad one win. So the point being that, I don't know off the top of my head when Wake Forest played North Carolina, but... Even if they had beat them in like early January, it would have been like, okay, it's a UNC team that's like, okay, not great, and they don't have a quad one one yet. Um, of course, we know how it turned out, but 
the point being that a really good season that when you look at the the quality of wins it's just an unfortunate year to be that kind of bubble team when in theory when usually the ACC is a place that that's helpful to you as a bubble right. team. Oh, right. You take their resume and you pop it in another season. They're easily in the tournament. Right. Yeah. I have three honorable mentions, one of which I am surprised you did not include. Okay. I mean, I've got honorable mentions. Oh, well, so. okay. Would you like to give yours first then? No, go for it. I'll react. My first one is Nova. Okay. Now, this would not have met your criteria. It's Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels. That's just an awful lot of elite talent. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, all-time great Villanova-ness in Not there. Sure. Yeah. So, I I couldn't go all the way to putting them in the top five, but they certainly got into the conversation for me. Second, Kansas. Okay. Again, I know Kansas has reloaded. But there's all there's an awful lot that's not there from last season. Right. Which is why you're bringing in, you know, other players from the Big 12 and things like that to mm-hmm. build yourself back into a top 10 team this season. And the team I'm surprised you didn't have is Arizona. They are one of my honorable mentions. Okay. Arizona was on my honorable mention list. Because primarily it's NBA draft guys. Right. Right? It's it's Ben Matherin, Christian Coloco, and Dale and Terry was so important for that team right. last season. And so they're another one you look and, yeah, there are some pieces coming back. And maybe there's more coming back than I initially gave, gave them credit for, but... That might have been your best three players last season. Certainly up there. And all all draft guys. So yeah, okay. You can you can elaborate on on how they ended up on your honorable mention, but they were another team that if you're looking at the whole thing, maybe it doesn't look so bad, but if you're just looking at departures, they got hit really hard. Yeah, in hindsight, they probably should have ended up on my list somewhere. Um I kept them just out just because when you when you do look at what they brought back and then, right, they got a Big Twelve, a big, a, a highly productive yep. Big Twelve Garden, and um, and Courtney Ramey joining yep. their team. You still have two zealous, um, right? And you're right, your backcourt Kirk Courtney, is back. Sorry, that's yeah, Kirk, right. You put him with Courtney Ramey. That's still a very good backcourt. So yeah. there are definitely pieces returning. So that's maybe they should end up on my list, um, but but they're just outside. Uh, Arkansas is on the list um, specifically because of Jalen Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, but with how much they brought, but with the, with all of the new players they have, <laughs> they're doing okay. Um, they're they're doing okay. Um, it just you know they could have been really really. I mean they're they're still going to be a top five preseason team. Um, and then uh, the last one on my list was Ohio State, specifically because of Malachi Branham. Um, and EJ Liddell. I mean of course Eli, EJ Liddell had eligibility left as well, but. Malachi Branham from a because I still will hold on to the if you asked Chris Holtman if he thought he was going to have Malachi Branham in 2022-23 he would have said yes up until it was clear that he wasn't going to have him so um, those are the three um, kind of the other teams that I thought about was Auburn with Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith, Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, Baylor with Jeremy Sohan and Kendall Brown um, those were the main ones Alabama I considered briefly with jd davison and keon ellis um but those those were kind of further off into the distance walker kessler and jabari smith i just kind of felt were too too basic to be honest (laughs) with you it would be like you know putting duke on the list just because of paolo bancaro um so i tried to stray away from that i mean but you get you gotta give some some points to walker kessler right right nobody was looking at him as always, going to go to Auburn and be a. He was a first rounder, right? I yeah, believe, yeah, twenty yeah. second or something so to like the that. Bucks. Yeah. yeah, nobody was looking at that. Right, but Jabari Smith, right? That would, right? That almost defeats the purpose. Right, right. It, it didn't. It, they lost the best back, the best front court in the country. Yeah, and that's that one's that one's tough. But Auburn in a situation to to replenish replenish some uh, with the guys that they're bringing back. But yes, that's my list. Adjacent to yours. That worked out pretty well. I did. It did. I, I like... And right, the whole point of this is to try and paint a picture of the summer that was the, this, the, you know, the four months in between the, you know, the buzzer sounding at the Final Four and 
the beginning of the next season, right? The whole point, trying to put the context of how did this summer, right? Summer rewind. How did this summer impact what's going to happen next year, right? As this kind of uh, transition period between talking about exclusively what happened last year and what's going to happen next year. Some of the, all of these conversations trying to kind of build a bridge between the two. So as far as I'm concerned, us getting to talk about what nine different teams, eight different teams, um, when, as I, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you talk about why the guy, the teams that were on your list were on your list. And I'm like, yep, that's, that's probably pretty close to how I, how I would have thought about it. So, um, we, we painted a more complete picture and that is ultimately the whole point yeah. of the summer. This is all the ex- summer rewind. This is all an experiment to just kind of see how many different ways we can approach this to give valuable insight and talk about the upcoming season without getting into our season previews in August. Right. Because that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Um, Next on the list is is it the one is is the one we're all the most excited about? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, Next week is next week is our excuse to look at Kempom (laughs) for way too long and find the fun the fun facts and and um, rankings and statistics that no healthy sane person would ever find um but we're gonna do our best to come up with with some of the more intriguing shocking did i read that right stats um from from last year in the context of of kim palm and and trying to create um little tidbits that we would just just either we that don't compute or don't remember my favorite is when i see i was like i thought that team was good offensively last year and they're like 97th at Kempom offensively as a power five team, which is just really, really not good. Um, but uh, but that's next week. I'm very much looking forward to that. Do you have anything else? I was just going to say, I vote we have no structure on it, that we just come with, with tidbits oh, and, and just, just go back and forth. I love it. And there's no cap on it. I mean, at some point, maybe we should put a, a time cap on it rather than a than a, than a, yeah. a list maybe, cap. Yeah, or maybe we'll have to talk. Maybe yeah. 10 or 15 or something. Yeah. We'll have to see. Well, but, but yes, very much looking forward to just an absolute, you know, you know, you, those those chaotic, like you know, a picture collage where there's no really rhyme or reason. Right. But you can't stop looking at it. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we're going for. There. Absolutely. But um, that's all we've got for you today on departures um, ahead of the 2022-23 season. Um, can't wait for the Ken Palm episode next week. Um, please subscribe to the Jays Today's podcast. Do you have something else? Uh, I'm- I will clarify. I will not exclusively be using Ken Palm. That's fine. I'm not exclusive. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna come locked and loaded with different with different places. Um, You're free too. I just yes. there will be some non Ken Palm discussion, but there will also be an awful lot of Ken yes. Palm discussion. Um, <laughs> next week, be there. Uh, please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod. Check out the YouTube channel. Be on the lookout for a new media type source um, from us uh, in the next, in the coming weeks. Um, but we'll share more when we, when we have more to share. Um, please subscribe to the Jays for Days Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And we will see you next time. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We will see you later.